And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back with another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host, Matt Watson, and I'm excited to be joined today with Kurt Kurt Wilkin from Hire Better. And we're going to talk all about uh, executive hiring and running a business and, um, you know, the crazy world we live in these days with, with hiring people. So excited to talk about that today. Um, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Kurt, how are you doing? Man, Matt, I'm doing great. I appreciate being here. I really love what you guys are doing with the Startup Hustle, providing entrepreneurs the tools they need to be successful. I love it. You know, I think, I want to say it's been f- almost five years. I can't even remember anymore. Like 800 and I don't know, 50 episodes later, we're we're still trucking. So we're still having fun. Thank you for joining me today. You bet. Excited for it. So, you know, to start out, give us uh, a little bit of, of your background and, and what you do and... Yeah, you bet. I'll start with the background. So I am a, I'm a CPA by trade. Ernst & Young was my first job out of college. And I tell you, I, I, the first one to tell you, I'm a shitty CPA. So I learned that uh, pretty early on and I realized my gifts were with people. And so, uh, and like a lot of entrepreneurs, I started with uh, my entrepreneurial career by, because uh, I had to. So after the dot-com crash in the early 2000s, I started a finance and accounting consulting firm which is crazy because I suck as a CPA, uh, but we built a great team. I had uh, some good partners and we were really good at what we did. And I was good at the people side. We grew to over 20 million bucks, had a good sale. And, uh, and since then I've been helping other entrepreneurs be successful. I started uh, or I founded Hire Better in 2011. And so we work with a lot of entrepreneurs doing just that. And I invest in entrepreneurs. So we've got about 120 or so investments over the last 20 years working uh, with uh, good people doing great things. So you're talking about like uh, angel investments or what kind of investments? So it's, it's early stage angel, a little bit of series A, and then we'll uh, oftentimes uh, continue to participate as the company is successful. But you know, don't bring me in for a you know series D, you know, $500 million valuation <laughs> type thing. But bring you in when you're looking to hire that key salesperson to take you to the next level, right? That's where, that's where you can really help. Absolutely. So what you'll find uh, is my, uh, my theory, my thesis that I'm working on is that with capital and talent, you can do anything. So an early stage company, if you've got great people and enough runway cash wise to uh, shift and jive, whatever the economy or, or the forces throw at you, you can be successful. But if you're lacking one of those, you're going to run out of cash or you got a bunch of dumbasses doing the job. They're not going to be able to, to get you to the next uh, over the hump. So what kind of companies uh, with your firm do you usually work with? I, I see you're based out of Austin, right? Yeah, we're based in Austin. We work all over the country, uh, domestic U.S. Our clients are typically, let's say, 5 to $100 million in revenue. And uh, typically through the scrappy startup, you know, early stage, everybody does everything. And you're trying to professionalize your business. So you're looking for that next level CFO, uh, VP of sales, marketing, what have you. And you... Uh, you you really need someone that not only understands how to find talent, but really, what do I do with the existing team? 
what we found and, and you found in your startup uh, life is you outgrow members of your team. And that's hard sometimes as the entrepreneur to, to see it unless you get hit over the head with a with it. Well, and it's especially hard when you're first starting out, you know, you're just trying to make a business work, right? And it could be that it's like your brother-in-law is your salesperson or whatever, right? And then eventually, it's to your point, it's like, yeah, my brother-in-law has no idea how to run a sales team or a sales organization or any of it, right? And you can't just keep promoting him to be this position that that is he's way in over his head, right? And and I'm sure you see that a lot. And um, you know, at the same time, I'm talking to a company now. I'm, I'm looking at, at potentially joining a, a company that needs to hire like a chief technology officer and bring in like a new business partner. And same thing, they have nobody that runs the technology side of it. They've managed to get to the level that they're at and they're really successful. But to the, get to the next level, a lot of companies need that key hire, right? There's a couple of key hires they need along the way. And it sounds like that's what you specialize in. That's exactly right. In fact, uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about this book that I just wrote called Who's Your Mike? And it's, uh, I'll tell you about the, more about it if you want, but the the the, uh, the lead character or the, the first ch uh, chapter of the book is, is about Mike. And who's Mike, right? Mike is your, who's your fraternity brother in college. You guys uh, were thick as thieves. He took a couple of hours of accounting in college. You think he might've been a marketing major, but it, it really doesn't matter. He was just your best bud. You trust him with your life. You started your business in your garage a few years later. Mike's right there with you nights and weekends from his day job, helping you with all the administrative stuff, right? Setting up the LLC, setting up the bank account, uh, ordering supplies, whatever it was, you're focused on the product or the, or the uh, sales, and he's focused on all the back office stuff. You become a real company. He quits his job. You make him your accountant. He learns QuickBooks. He learns how to handle all that stuff. Again, doing all that administrative back office stuff that you hate and uh, don't know how to do. And uh, a couple of years later, you make him your, your controller because he, you reward his 100-hour work weeks and he's busting his ass for you. you know, now you're doing $10, $15 million in sales. He's now your CFO. He still hadn't hired a staff because he's A, too cheap, and B, he doesn't really know how to build a team. He's trying to negotiate a $10 million line of uh, credit with your bank, maybe a merger deal with your largest competitor. And you look around and Mike is missing deadlines. He's late on everything and, and he's swirling. He's in over his head. But he didn't want to tell you because he's your best friend and he didn't want to let you down. The reality is Mike's in over his head. So the question is, who's your Mike? Everybody's got a Mike, whether it's finance and accounting like Mike, sales and marketing operations, whatever. I'm sure you've seen that many times in your career. Who's your Mike? Yeah, and, and I, I would love to hear, you know, some some success stories. I mean, I mean, have you worked with some companies where, you know, where those key hires really help propel them to the next level? I'm sure you've I'm sure you've been around some unicorn companies even, and uh, you know, you, you see those key people come in. Yeah, so it's a balance. So you know, if I have a if you have a leadership team of five or six, I don't want to see all those folks doing this for the first time. So to your point, who's a key hire that you could bring in that could get you over the hump? You know, and it depends on on your company and who you have as far as what that position looks like. But oftentimes it's operations or sales. In your case, you're you're in the tech space, so probably your CTO. You just mentioned that somebody who's got the the skills, who's done that before. You have got to be in high demand because you've done it twice successfully and had you know a major uh, exits. So I'm sure your your phone rings a lot. Well, and so back to my first exit uh, from Vin Solutions, I have to say, you know. Probably the the biggest key hire we made was um, a gentleman named Sean Stapleton, who uh, to this day I would consider a good friend and and was really key to us. He he be he was like our came in as like our director of sales, VP of sales, whatever the whatever you want to make the title. He he was the guy, 
and we already had a bunch of salespeople, but he had the Rolodex. He knew the industry. He, he had the connections. He, he knew how to run a sales team, you know, how to motivate a sales team and really just poured gas on, on the company. And we just took off like crazy and we owe a lot of it to him. I mean, he, he really, really, um, you know, lit the rocket for us. So those, those key people in my, in my perspective could be huge. So that's a classic example of, uh, of bringing in somebody from the outside who's done it before. And what you'll get, if you're the entrepreneur, you'll get somebody who's had those scars. They've seen this movie before. They're not going to learn the same lessons that you're going to learn the hard way because they've done it before. And if you get the right person, they'll bring their Rolodex. They'll bring their uh, previous experience. They might bring an entire team, you know, if, if it's the right opportunity. And they're going to get you there faster. It doesn't mean Mike can't get you there eventually as your sales leader. It just means he or she's going to learn a lot of lessons the hard way. And boy, you could have gotten there a lot faster with fewer scars with uh, with some talented people around you. That's the the rocket ship. I've got a couple some great examples on that if you want to go into it. Well, and you mentioned this earlier. To me, business is all about people. It's all about talent, right? It's about having the right talent, motivating the talent, retaining them, all the all those things. It's it's all about people, and. Uh, People are difficult to manage and, and difficult to deal with as well, uh, especially this day and age. It, it seems like it's it's getting even more weirder um, th- with this with this generation. But you know what 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 are your suggestions about that? Just talent, people, motivating them. Well, uh, I'll give you a, a really quick story. Uh, you know, my last business I said was in the professional services, and I realized that people suck. It's, it's hard. <laughs> There's always a drama, something going on. Oh yeah. So I, I swore with my next deal, I was going to buy a technology company that had like two employees. You press a button and make stuff happen. And here we are, you know, 10 years later, I bought a freaking recruiting firm. So not only am I, uh, you know, professional services, but I'm dealing, uh, you know, with, with, <laughs> with people. people. So I, I'm not very smart. That's the honest answer. Um, so what was your question again? Deal, dealing with people? Yeah. Just how, you know, how to, you know, how to build teams and motivate people, you know? Yeah. Look, this is the hard work. It's not just about uh, hiring a recruiter to, to find a really talented person. They've got to fit in well with your culture. They've got to fit in well with the rest of your existing team. So I like to say it's a puzzle. You can't just throw a bunch of people in a room and hope it works. You've got to have a culture. Think about all the professional uh, sports teams you've, you've seen. The Chiefs have had an amazing culture over the last 10 years, right? It's not just about Mahomes. It's about the team that Andy Reid has built around there. And so you've got to be, as an entrepreneur, you've got to be able to build a culture uh, that gets people working together in the same direction for a common vision. And, uh, you know, it can be beautiful music when it works well, and it can suck tremendously when it doesn't. But if you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter if you got Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> we learned that too the hard way. That's right. <laughs> as a Kansas City fan. Well, you know, the, the key to business, as you mentioned earlier, is, is who is your mic and what is holding you back? Like every company has something that that's that's holding them back. And, you know, one thing, you know, at Stackify, my, my last company, you know, there was there was one time we brought in somebody that I thought was like a seasoned executive. But one of the challenges that we had was, I think, his job title, right? Like we hired somebody and this person, he, he was like our chief marketing officer. He was great. But we couldn't afford to hire a bunch a team to work for him, right? And he, you know, he wanted to do more strategy work, high level thinking, all this stuff. Not like he didn't really have the experience of like, okay, you're going to manage our Twitter account and our, you know, our Google ads and 
and, you know, some kind of more lower level, you know, tactical work that needed to be done on a daily basis. And, and, you know, how often do you see that struggle where it's like you bring somebody in, but you have to understand what level you're bringing them in and having the support team to support them. Exactly. Uh, so let me just reference real quick that the book I mentioned, Who's Your Mike? There are five chapters on legacy employees, and I've got at least three on people that you brought in from the outside. And the common theme from people on the outside who don't work uh, for an entrepreneurial environment, or they come from a big company and their resume looks sexy and they talk yep. a great game. But the reality is, man, it's different. It's hard in the trenches. You can do real work. Absolutely. Roll up your sleeves. The number one attribute we, you know, our clients ask us for is grit, entrepreneurial uh, attitude, you know, roll up your sleeves, no ivory towers. And man, if you've got a candidate who knows what to say in an interview, uh, it's hard to vet that out sometimes. But yeah, that happens more often than you can, than you want to admit. You pay 250 for a, you know, big swing and you know what, and what you get is just somebody who's been relying on a, a team of 20 people at their last gig, and they, they don't have that in startup world. So how do you how do you see the market has changed? You know, we're recording this and it's April 2022. You know, how has the market changed over the last few months with um, the economy, post-COVID, all that? How, how do you see that change, you know, that your customers that are coming to you trying to hire these key employees – is it, is the volume, did it really pick up? Is it, is it harder to find people? Like what is the kind of market right now? Yeah, the volume definitely picked up. And, and in the first call it two or three months of 2022, it was at a amazing crescendo just, you, or maybe even a, a late 21 where you felt like you had to overpay for everybody. And I think that was a bubble. I think it's come back to reality. Now you still have to pay fair wages, but it's not a, uh, it's, it's not as crazy as it was a few months ago. Having said that, there are definitely there seem to be more opportunities for great talent than there are uh, people. Um, what people you know you hear about the great resignation, and I think part of that's true. But I think people were resigning even before uh, uh, COVID. It just uh, it just the numbers amplified because we had such a dearth of, of resigning during COVID. People were re retrenching. So I think what's what's happened is people are leaving. They're leaving not for money. They're typically leaving for for um, for a better opportunity, maybe a passion or purpose. They realized that COVID made them think twice about their uh, their professional life and their personal life, and they're making changes. So uh, for your clients who are looking for candidates, they need to have something more than a paycheck. They need to have a, a vision or purpose that really is impactful for people to, uh, to want to join. So most companies, do they typically hire executives from within and promote or you know, what percentage of the times would, would you say that they hire from outside for those positions? Because I always felt like, especially at a real big corporation, it was mostly hired from inside. Now, granted, if most of your companies are kind of small, mid-market, you know, growing companies, it's different, but. Yeah, I really can't speak to the to the enterprise level companies. So I'll speak more to the early stage and, and lower middle market, which I think is probably more of your audience. I, I may be wrong. Um, it's a mix, uh, to be honest. There are some entrepreneurs that only want to promote people from within the team, and some of them are successful. And some of them struggle. I think if you throw people into those types of positions without resources and without some coaching and, and systems, you're going to have uh, big major struggles. But if you give them the tools, they have a chance. Having said that, I want, again, out of my team of five or six leadership people, I want one or two that's done this before. I don't need all six or seven to have done it before, but I need a few skins on the wall so I don't make uh, all the same mistakes that, that you made at your last, last deal. 
Well, and I feel like the struggle as a startup is, let's say you need to hire a new uh, director of customer success or whatever it is. And it's like, okay, I could go hire somebody that's got a ton of experience and they're an expert at this, but it might cost me $200,000 a year. And it's like, I can't, I can't afford it. Like I just can't do it. So it feels like I have to hire and, and take a chance on somebody that maybe they've been a manager before, or maybe they've never been a director, or maybe they have a little bit of experience as a director. Maybe I can hire them for a hundred grand, 120 grand, whatever, something more you know palatable and then hope to train them up. Right. But what you don't get is that, that playbook, right? They don't come with the playbook of knowing exactly what to do, what needs to be done. And, and you have to kind of train them up. But I feel like as a startup, that it kind of ends up being the team, right? You end up with a bunch of, you end up with a lot of people like that because you can't afford to pay, you know, to, to hire, um, you know, all top tier talent. Yeah, I, I agree. You can't afford to pay uh, top tier talent. And sometimes you can't afford not to at least have one or two people. Yeah. So, what I see, I look for those those unlocking positions that really can can um, um, help you exponentially grow. So, for example, in many companies, the entrepreneur is the visionary and and really good at at selling the sizzle or you know uh, d- developing the product, but they're not so great at operating a company. And if you don't have a strong business partner that can uh, help you find efficiencies and and uh, manage a team from from uh, throughout. You're going to waste a lot of money by with bloat and with uh, with inefficiencies. So I like to partner uh, a visionary entrepreneur with with an operating partner, uh, uh, whether it's a CFO with strong operational skills or maybe a, an operations person with strong financial bent. Um, that person can help pay for themselves many times over, and then you can also use some of that money to help you fund a, another key hire. Whether it's maybe customer success is a is a unlock is a, a um, differentiator for you. Maybe not. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's sales. Somebody who can go hunt the hunt the, the whales, but um, usually there's one or two unlocking moves in there that help you get there faster. Well, and you just brought up something I think it's important for our listeners too. So you know, if if, if you're listening and, and you're an entrepreneur, you have to figure out are you the are you the operational person? Are you the the product visionary? You know, CEO kind of po- type. What is your personality, and what do you like to do? And it's important in the company to have both. Like at, at my last company, I'm not as much of an operational person. I'm more of a product vision person. You know, I can help do anything and everything or whatever. But, you know, my desk is a mess. If I showed you my <laughs> desk right now, it's a mess. And, you know, I'm not an operational person. I'll be the first to admit it. But having that person is super, super critical for success and having a really good partnership and relationship with them. And for me, it was a guy named Craig Farrell that we hired who was absolutely amazing. And him and I worked great in tandem. We, you know, I, you know, my personality is very different. I'm a little more creative than him. I'm a little more, you know, product vision. I think a little more, you know, marketing and stuff like that. But he's, you know, he does a lot better with HR and running teams and managing people and customer service and running a sales team and, and it, it takes both, right? And, and that's the thing is you got to understand what your personality is and realize that you can't do everything. And, and I think too many entrepreneurs try to do everything and, and they're probably most of them are missing that operations piece, would you say? I think that's absolutely right. Maybe not 100%, but the vast majority have that other skill that you mentioned, the one that, you, that, that describes you, I would call it a visionary, and you're lacking the other. We have a, I have a good friend. They've been a client. I've also invested in, their, in this company. He is a in the healthcare space. He's a, a great with sales and great with product, and he's out you know hunting hunting uh, elephants again. 
and uh, he has been too cheap to hire a real operations person or operations partner. So he's got a bookkeeper. And uh, candidly, he's at nights and weekends going through all the books uh, line by line to make sure things were entered properly. I'm like, Carl, why are you wasting your effing time? Find somebody for $30 an hour, $40 an hour, whatever it is. It's well worth your time because you're hunting $5 million deals. Let's be sensible about it. Well, and, and so Craig and I worked great together, you know, from, from early on. And I don't read business books. That may come as a surprise to some people, but I hate reading books. But Craig came to me one day and he's like, Matt, I know you don't like to read books, but I need you to read this book. And it was a book called Rocket Fuel. Maybe you've heard of it. And it's it's about this topic of having both the kind of visionary person and then the integrator, the more operations person. And he's like, Matt, you need to read this book. So I read it over the weekend I'm, and I went back to Craig and I'm like, you're right, Craig. I need to manage things through you. I need to let you run things. I need to stop running around trying to manage the whole company. And then, you know, I give them direction. You give them direction. Like, how, we got to figure out how to get operate, you know, operationally get things figured out. And I'll, I'll be honest, it was a really key thing for me, like from a, just a learning experience, career perspective, all that stuff, kind of self-building of like reading that book and coming to the realization of like, I need to figure out how to work with an operations person that can help accomplish what I want to accomplish. That's uh, funny you said that. That's the number one recommended book that I, I make for folks. And what I tell people usually is, uh, um, I tell uh, visionaries especially, just read the first three chapters. Don't, you know, I don't yeah. want to say waste your time because I love Mark Winters, but the first three chapters for visionaries, that's all you need. Talks about chapter one, the visionary, chapter two, the integrator, chapter three, kind of how you work together. Yeah. The rest of it's, you know, business book stuff, um, which is kind of why I wrote my book. I, I think most business books have 80% kind of fluff that they're kind of just rhetoric and the, the rest is, you know, 20% really, really good. So I wrote mine in, in a form of kind of choose your own adventure. If you have a mic, read chapter one. If you have uh, Pipeline Paul, which is one of those guys from the outside, the sales guy that has more talk than, than, than action, read Pipeline Paul. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's more of a fun adventure book and it's written uh, so you can just hear the stories both gory and and glory stories, I like to say. I want to hear the crap that went bad, so I can learn uh, learn from what you did and what you didn't do. That's my favorite is is learning from where we make mistakes. So, a quick reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And you know, so my the last twenty years, I've basically been a chief technology officer, and I have to be honest, hiring software developers is a pain in the ass. And uh, hiring people in general is pain in the ass. So for whatever reason, we decided to start full scale and we've hired like 250 software developers. Like right. the hardest thing to do. We went and did it 250 times. But, you know, we help other people that need to grow their team. So, you know, there, I, I definitely there's a huge value in, um, in what you do and, and companies that are, that are looking for those key employees. I imagine, you know, one thing I always tell people is, is people that are really good at what they do, they have a job. They're not necessarily looking right. for a job, right? And the only way to find real top tier talent is to go poach it most of the time, right? I mean, how yep. how do you how do you find the people that you find for what you do? Like finding that top tier talent. How do you find those people? Well, I'm going to answer this question two ways. One is finding, and then, and then how do I hire them? So on, on the fi on the finding, you've got to always be recruiting. It's not you can't just task this with your HR department, especially if it's key hires. You need to go uh, find where those folks are living in the tech space. Uh, for example, there's an Austin, uh, Austin company who started a tech meetup to, to come in and talk about all kinds of geek tech stuff, right? And over the cor course of a few years, it's now like 300 people strong. 
and he doesn't openly recruit there, but hell, that's a, a, a community he built. And now he can, he can poach the best ones through a group like that. Um, so that's a creative uh, answer. You've got to know where these folks are, 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 uh, are hanging out and, uh, and go starting to build, build that network or virtual bench, as I call. Um, didn't happen overnight. As far as attracting, let me talk about that real quick, if you don't mind, Matt. Um, a lot of people, especially uh, if you've, you know, over 30 and you've, you've been in, in doing this for a little bit of time, you, the, the, tip, the old way was you post an ad on Indeed or LinkedIn or something and people would come to you and, and they needed a job, to your point. And it's a lot easier to recruit people or attract people if you need a job. But now people have opportunities left and right. So you can't just interview the same way you used to, like thinking that these people are desperate for your job. You've got to attract them. So uh, if it's as simple as printing the resume and going through it and having a plan for how you're going to, what you're going to talk to the candidate about, that's rocket science compared to a lot, a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with who are doing exactly that. Run into the interview room with the, you know, just off out, out of the printer, asking the same BS questions that the guy before you asked. So we have to have a plan. We have to have a way we're going to go through things. And then the last point on, on the attraction is um, know your role as a, as a hiring company. For example, I'm a, more of a visionary type like you, Matt. I suck at interviewing. I'm a, I'm a glass half full guy. I'm going to like you for whatever reason. We're going to connect on something. We both like the Chiefs. We both uh, have, a, you know, uh, we have a connection to Singapore, whatever the case is. Um, so I tell the team, don't let anybody get through to me unless you're a thousand percent confident that, <laughs> that you like them. And my job is just to sell the vision and talk about core, vault, uh, core values and culture and uh, let somebody else do the screening. I, and I agree with you. I, I honestly have probably not been the best hire in my life either. And uh, I, I'm maybe a little too overly optimistic on people. So I hear you on there. It, it's tough. But so when you're trying to hire these, you know, people that are director, VP, you know, executive kind of level people in this day and age, what is what kind of compensation does it take? I mean, do most people always expect like different stock options or profit sharing, like, working remote, unlimited vacation time, like from your perspective and what you see in the market, like what, what does it take to hire these people and attract them? Well, I'll say that it looks much different, you know, now than it did a year ago, right? The market's changing that fast. Our, our compensation um, um, surveys that we do are, are, are out of date, you know, the minute we, we, we print them. Um, but it, I, I think it's an individualized approach. And here's what I mean by that. Matt, your motivations are going to be different from, from, uh, from Matt DeCourcy. You've had a couple of exits. Maybe you don't need a, a big base package, but you'd like uh, unlimited vacation and you'd like uh, you know, a nice upside if, if the company does well. And, and Matt may need, you know, he's got a family of five and he's got to you know, feed, feed, the, feed the kids and he needs a, a bigger base. So what I, I'll tell most entrepreneurs is you typically have three levers. You've got base compensation, cash. You've got a bonus compensation, again, cash. And then you've got uh, equity or some other long-term incentives. And the levers can be different. Like Matt may want a bigger base and Kurt might want more options, but you typically don't get both. Uh, and then there's the fourth category, which I don't talk too much about because usually at the executive level, it's not as important, but flex time, working remote, things like that. Although today's day and age, it's definitely important to have that, uh, those, those options. I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask you like, um, what, what percentage of these positions do you see these days are remote? It's, uh, it's definitely more than it was in the past. And uh, what I tell companies is if you are adamant that your empl all employees have to be coming to a physical office five days a week, 
it's a lot harder to attract them to your opportunity. And so the beautiful thing that, that COVID provided was the, this now acceptance of working virtually. So it's opened up the, uh, our world. So you in Kansas city can now attract somebody from Idaho or New York city, for example, to, to work for your company. You didn't have that before. And obviously with, uh, with your, uh, uh, operation in Cebu city now, uh, and you, that was, that's possible. That wasn't possible you yeah. know, uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. It's definitely changed my opinion a lot about working remote. And I'm one of those people that I'm like, why would I go to an office? Like, why would I get in a car and drive to the office? Like what a waste of time. <laughs> like I'm so, I'm so used to it now. And my last company, uh, Stackify, we actually sold during the pandemic. I never even met the new, my new boss, the new CEO, the investment group behind it. I never met any of them in person, not one when we sold the company. Isn't that crazy? It, that is crazy. There's something beautiful about that, but there's also something effed up about that, if you ask me. Right? <laughs> it is I weird. Mean, um, I, I like having, like, for example, you and I are on this call. You're in Kansas City. I'm in Austin. We, we probably wouldn't have done this a couple of years ago. So that's beautiful. On the downside, I, I just don't think we have enough human interaction that yeah. we used to. I think there's a human-to-human element that we're missing. So- for people that are thinking about making these key hires and potentially, you know, hiring the remote, do you, how do you see the success of that with a company that primarily works in the office and they have like maybe one executive remote, you know, do you see that working well or do you see it like if they're all in the office or all remote works way better and and a mix doesn't work as well? Or do you have any kind of perspective on that from what you've seen from your, I do. I've got a direct perspective on your last part, but let me, let me answer the first one uh, first. And that is it's a, it is, again, there's no one size fits all. Uh, it can be done for a key executive to not be uh, to not be in in, uh, in Austin or Kansas City, for example. You just have to make sure you've got the um, you, you've got the mindset that can work, and maybe you have to have the systems in place that, to make sure you can manage that that relationship properly. Some of it's simple as Zoom or a CRM, and some of it may be a, you know more of an accountability structure. Um, your uh, question about have you seen him work uh, dually? Look, every, almost everybody's been in some dual fashion over the last couple of years. So it definitely can be done. In our case, we were half virtual, half in person before the pandemic at Hire Better. And honestly, it sucked. And, and here's why. The people who were in the office were jealous, envious of the people who you know, didn't have to come to the office. They were working out of their home and they can go jogging or you know whatever. And the people who were work, working remotely were envious because they got to be in the office where all the camaraderie was and that's yeah, where yeah, yeah. slapping high fives and talking to Kurt or whatever. And so it, it didn't work so great. And let me tell you one other thing that really, this is a personal thing that uh, I don't know how, how your uh, other audience member uh, feel about this, but um, I'm, I'm funny. If I see you and know that you're supposed to be in the office every day and you're not in my mind, I'm thinking, where the hell's Matt? Dad gummit. God, Matt, why isn't Matt here? And you might be going out and selling million dollar deals. And, but, but the fact that you're not there just for some reason gets me. However, I have an employee in Charlotte, North Carolina that I haven't seen maybe ever except on zoom. And she might be going to the dry cleaners every day, but I know she's performing and doing her work. That doesn't bother me. So for me, just a, some head trash I've got yeah, it around. It's weird, isn't it? I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about joining another company and I was in their office and, uh, and, uh, one of the executives like, Oh, so-and-so doesn't get here time nine o'clock in the morning. What the hell's wrong with them to exactly your point. Right. But if they were all working remote, you would never know like that, yep. that like weird psychology part of it, you wouldn't be as worried about. And 
I think part of it, when you go remote, you have to think more about managing people and knowing if they're getting work done or not, right? Where if everybody's in the office, you could be like, well, I don't really know if they're getting anything done, but at least I know their ass is in the chair over there. And that makes me feel good. But you still have no idea if they're getting anything accomplished, right? But when you go remote, you have to do a better job of knowing if they're getting things accomplished and managing their work. And I feel feel like for the companies that kind of mastered that, those are the ones that saw a lot higher, you know, productivity. Yeah. So this goes back to what we talked about earlier with the visionary and the integrator. Visionaries typically can't manage or, or uh, hold people accountable. And, and that's why I suck at, at that part. But the operator, the integrator, has builds a, a system of, of accountability. So you know whether that person's performing, whether they're in the office or not. So that's why, for me, it's so key to have a partner that is able to do that. <laughs> I'm laughing because... You know, the visionary, they're, they're truly visionary. They just see ass and seats. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's it. Just ass and seats. That's all I know. They're in the office. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Well, um, you know, what, what else do you think has changed in, you know, since this great resignation and, and hiring remote, you know, what, what other kind of changes do you see with, with hiring these, these key executives? Um, one of the changes that we've seen uh, on hiring them is so much of it's done virtually, as you described with your, you know, your last deal. Um, I think that's got to shift. I think we need to have some interaction uh, before the hire is made. And, you know, obviously two years ago, they, they didn't feel comfortable, you know, shaking hands, but, but now we, we need to get back. Whether you uh, wine them and dine them for five visits is probably not the answer, but ha- have at least one, one uh, session where you get some really good quality time with these key executives um, and, and the other thing that we've seen a lot of is, um, really acceptance of some of these psychometric tests. Some people call them personality assessments and th- we don't use them as knockouts. Like if you, if you're not an ambassador, according to a culture index, you're going to fail, but, but something to, that you can ask further questions about, and there's some really good ones out there, but, uh, uh th- those are good to see if the person's got the grit, for example, to roll up their sleeves and, and not just be in their ivory tower. Well, and I think those tests are always interesting to highlight just personality differences of like, I'm very detail oriented and you're not very detail oriented. So how I work with you should be a little different. Now I'm used to dealing with software developers. And so they're, they seem like they're almost all the same personality type. <laughs> <laughs> so I like speak their language and, 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 and I understand it. But yeah, like there is, there's such a dramatic difference between like a software developer and like a salesperson. Like they're like different forms of human, right? And and what's interesting is those tests help kind of highlight that. And, um, you know, some of them can be like some pretty basic sort of IQ tests and, and logic tests and things like that. And at full scale, we've had some clients that have come to us and asked us to do these kinds of tests. And to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like they overly knock people out because of them. It's like you can have really, really smart people, but they rely too much on testing. It's almost like they want this, like they don't want to make any mistakes hiring. So like they put up as many barriers as possible so that like virtually nobody can get through them. You usually see that problem? Well, I think it's usually some consultant that sold them on their, whatever the test is. And you better not hire anybody that's not a A, B or C. So they've got it in their minds. And so that's all they hire. And it, you can imagine for a recruiter, who's recruiting people who have jobs and aren't answering ads, it's uh, it's horrible to get people who have a pass fail based on some psychometric. So we think yeah. it should be part of the, uh, part of the uh, playbook, but not the whole, you know, end all be all. 
Well, once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by Fullscale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. You can find us on Facebook and the Startup Hustle chat group. Um, please join our, our conversations on Facebook, um, Startup Hustle chat. Uh, lots, lots of interesting conversations on there on a daily basis. Uh, Matt DeCourcy does a good job of, of always stirring the pot. So uh, <laughs> be sure to check out and see what, what's in the pot th- these days. Um, you know, I'd love to hear a little more about your book about, um, I love this whole concept of like, you know, what's holding you back and identifying your mic and um, any other, you know, stories or, or tips from your book that you can share as we uh, wrap up today's episode. Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to invite everybody that whosyourmic.com slash quiz is a quiz that entrepreneurs can take and see what kind of people challenges they might be having. It's a fun, uh, we call it the uh, the team assessment for people who hate team assessments. Um, but the, the, the couple of themes that you're going to have is A, we all make hiring mistakes, so don't feel alone. Uh, you do, uh, you, you really can't sit idle if you have a mistake on your hands. You need to move, whether you coach them up or out. Uh, don't let those fester. And uh, and then we all have members of our team that we've outgrown. And that's just the uh, unfortunate reality. It doesn't mean they're bad people or that you need to get rid of them. It just means they can't continue to be your finance leader if you need a next level finance leader, for example. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And um, I guess if anybody's listening, if uh, they need to hire some executives, they know where to find you, right? Hirebetter.com. You got it. And uh, thank you so much for your time today and uh, talk to you again soon. Well, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate what you guys are doing again for the entrepreneurial community. Such a needed, uh, needed resource. All right. Thank you, sir. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.